0: ESPN Sports Radio, 1,392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going
1: to bring it all together. Because it's the bottom line. Bottom line.
0: Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday. Miss Judy, please take your meds this morning. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. On today's show, another cavalcade of stars stopping by. First up, it's Brian Howard of Stable Duel. He'll give us his, uh, some of his best bets for today's Keeneland card. And, of course, our friend Vince Stover from the Sports Stove Podcast. He'll join us for his takes on the sports world as a whole and his UFC picks for tonight. He went 4-1 and one the last time he did that, so we give him another chance today. We'll talk Reds, some NFL draft, college basketball, and, of course, our Mac Daddy picks now brought to you by Jake's Cigar Bar. See what happens when you give out so many winners, including uh, Baylor on Monday night? We get sponsors. I'm telling you, people, the show is catching on. Anyway, all that and much, much more on this week's Saturday edition of the fastest growing sports talk show in Lexington. But first, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, you know him, he's the actor. You've seen him all the time. He's done several movies and a lot of movies about sports in his career. He's been everything from an NFL general manager to a golfer. And he's done three movies about baseball, two of which are still referenced often to this day, although they came out in the 80s, Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. I never saw Field of Dreams because I heard through the grapevine that grown men would cry watching it. And I've got too much drama in my life already. I don't need more craziness. I've already got enough crazy. I don't need to get emotional over a stupid baseball movie. But I did see Bull Durham because we like silliness here on The Bottom Line. Of course, it hasn't aged very well in the over three decades since it came out, but there's one part of the movie that is timeless, the lesson on cliches. Kevin Costner's character is an aging minor league catcher in his last days as a player, trying to teach the the star young pitcher who's about to go to the big leagues, trying to teach him the ropes. And Costner sits the pitcher down and gives him the old cliches that will help him. And telling him that these will be your best friends once you make to the majors. And he rattles them off. We got to play him one day at a time. I'm just happy to be here. Hope I can help the ball club. I just want to give it my best shot. And good Lord willing, things will work out. You don't hear these cliches verbatim today, but you hear the gist of them. Of course, some of my personal favorites when describing players... He's got the will to win. He needs to step up. And I don't like the cut of his jib. Those are the ones that drive me crazy. Cut of his jib. What the heck is that? Cut of his jib. I remember once in Atlanta, and I gave a bunch of numbers and trends why the Falcons were going to lose a game. One person said I was wrong because the Falcons were more fired up. Except he said they were more fired up. Again, cliches. Signifying nothing. Anyway, this scene in Bull Durham of cliches ends with Costner trying to keep the young pitcher from sleeping with a woman played by Susan Sarandon because he's got the eyes for her. And Costner warns the young pitcher that if he does sleep with her, he will be risking everything because, and I'm quoting using a little uh, little limitations here, never F with a winning streak. But this goes for other things in life, too. You ever win at a game or something and you don't want to change anything you're doing because you think it might mess you up? You ever go to a casino? You ever go to a craps table? Those people are the most superstitious people in the world. You can't get chips while a guy is still trying to make a, a point or a number or the table will lose. It'll be your fault. The shooter always craps out before a, a stick change when they change dealers at the table. That's what makes them lose. And never, under any condition, do you ever say the word seven at a crafts table or else it's your fault if the shooter hits a seven and loses their money. In other words, never F with a winning streak. Equate that to the current edition of the Cincinnati Reds, who are now the best team in Major League Baseball on a six-game winning streak and now with a 6-1 and one overall record, no other team has lost less than two games. They have the best run differential in Major League Baseball, plus 32. And no team has scored more runs than the 63 the Reds have scored in seven games. The next highest is the Astros with 53, but in eight games. So how did this really happen? The Reds have played three of their games against the Pirates, projected by our friends in the desert, to win 58 games this season, by far the lowest number of wins by any team. Their current opponent, the Diamondbacks, are sitting at 2-6 and six on the season. So other than the opening series against the Cardinals, the Reds haven't exactly played the toughest schedule in the league. But the Reds are getting performances from some very unlikely sources. Rookie Jonathan India, hitting 400 10 for 25. He's second on the team in hits, An RBI, despite hitting near the bottom of the lineup, and despite never playing in the major leagues before. And who is this Tyler Naquin kid? He's leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs with five, including three games in a row with a home run. Where did this come from? Let's see. In six years in Cleveland, he had 939 at-bats. In those 939 bats, Naquit had 31 home runs. That's an average of one every 30.3 at-bats. And now with the Reds, he's hitting one every 4.4 at-bats. So yeah, of course, he will stay this hot all season, right? Well, maybe not. But as we've learned by now, never F with a winning streak. But the Reds are doing all this despite two of their most proven players getting off to poor starts. Eugenio Suarez hitting 136, 3 for 22 on the season. And, of course, future Hall of Famer Joey Votto has been one of the worst players in Major League Baseball so far this season, hitting 167, 5 for 30. But more importantly for Votto is that he isn't drawing walks anymore. In 31 plate appearances, he has only one walk. In years past, drawing walks has been a huge part of Votto's success with six seasons of over 100 walks. But this season, at his current rate, he would walk 23 times even if he played in all 162 games. This from a guy who is still 21st in the history of Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. By the way, at the end of the 2017 season, Votto was 12th on that list. So the last three-plus seasons have ruined the one stat that he could point to as something that makes him a standout as a Hall of Fame candidate. But then again, this is what happens when you're 37 years old and still owed $95 million over the next four years from signing a bad contract many years ago. That's right. Votto was signed until the end of 2024. And at his current rate of decline... How can he keep showing up at third in the Reds' batting order every night? It can't happen, especially if the Reds are serious about competing this season. Hey, I'm a fan of Joey Votto. You can debate him being ranked anywhere in the top five Reds of all time. But the only stat you need to know about Votto's current state is that his career on-base percentage is .418. His on-base percentage last year was .354. His on-base percentage this year is 194. Yeah, it's a small sample size this year, but it's still a sign considering his recent decline. But are the Reds really the best team in Major League Baseball this season? Well, let's look to where it really matters, especially for us, out in the desert. That's all that matters to us. How good are they doing out in the desert? The Reds are the only 6-1 team in the league, but they're fifth in money made out in the desert, and return on investment. Behind teams like the 6-2 Angels, the 6-2 Astros, the 5-2 Cardinals that they beat 2 out of 3 in the first series, and the 4-3 Orioles. Now wait a minute, gambling boy. How are you trying to tell me that the Reds are behind all those teams out in the desert? Well, the Reds have been favored in six of their seven games this season. Well, the Cardinals have been underdogs five times. And the Orioles have been underdogs every single game they've played this season. So that's more bang for your buck. So the Reds are 6-1. and And they've been favored six times out in the desert this season. So in reality, the Reds are exactly where they should be at this point. And not exceeding expectations nearly as much as the Reds' nation would lead you to believe. Because the desert tells us they're doing exactly what they should be doing. Tonight on ESPN Radio, 740 start here uh, with the pregame show on 1,392.5. Game two of Reds versus Diamondbacks. If you watched the game last night, the Reds pulled out one in extra innings. But tonight, Jeff Hoffman for the Reds will start as the pitcher. 1-0 with a 3.80 ERA. Riley Smith, a guy named Riley Smith for the Diamondbacks, no record, 3.60. As we detailed last week with Hoffman, he had a career ERA of 6.4 heading into this season with a 10-16 and 16 record. But that was in the thin air of Colorado and Coors Field. That's a big difference. And Hoffman was a loser out in the desert. His teams are 17-22 and 22 when his career starts. So if you bet a dollar on him every time he started, you would lost $2.36 in your life, minus 6% return on investment. But the Red starting pitcher is about middle of the pack right now, which is good considering the loss of Trevor Bauer in the offseason. Still waiting for Sonny DeGray to get back. Luis Castillo has not been the Luis Castillo we've remembered. Wade Miley, the only left-hander right now. So this is an area where if you expect to compete for a division title, you might have to get an upgrade because Luis Castillo, not himself and the rest of the starting pitchers, even uh, Tyler Malley last night looked good. But do you expect them to keep it up over an entire season? Because history tells us you can't. One issue the, might, the Reds might be facing today is a bullpen. where well, they had to use the, the entire bullpen basically last night just to get that win. Your closer, using that term very loosely, Amir Garrett, got his second game save of the season. But yet again, it was ugly. His ERA is still 15. And his whip is 2. That means he's allowing two base runners every inning. That's not exactly Mariano Rivera or Dennis Eckersley material. And keep in mind, before this season, Garrett only had one career save and a career ERA of 4.89. If I was a betting man, and I am, Garrett does not last the entire season as closer. When they got the final out last night, he had two men on base then, too. Garrett doesn't last the entire season as closer, not because he isn't good enough, but because history tells us he won't be able to keep it up. Diamondbacks have a bullpen advantage last night. Their two main setup guys, Ginkiel and Clark, were not used in that game. Diamondbacks started today again, somebody named Riley Smith, who will be making his first career start in Major League Baseball. On April 3rd, he pitched five innings in a game against San Diego, allowed two runs with four strikeouts career ERA 1.93 in 21 excuse me 23 innings. That's a small sample size. But he's been a decent Major League pitcher, but the only problem for him is today those all those numbers have come as a relief pitcher and this is his first career start. So we don't have anything to go on in the desert with this guy. So the Reds will be favored today. They're sitting at minus 135 as I checked right before the show started. And they should be favored. They're the best team in the league with the biggest run differential and the most runs scored against a team that's sitting at 2-6 and six, with a starting pitcher making his first career start. Of course the Reds should be favored today. But the Diamondbacks have a little bit of value out in the desert, if you ask me. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Reds went down today out in the desert. But there's an unwritten rule of baseball that you never bet against a streak. And the Reds are definitely on a streak. And if Kevin Costner taught us anything in Bull Durham, never F with a winning streak. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. <coughs> Excuse me. Favorites. If you bet all the favorites yesterday in Major League Baseball, you had a good time. They went 7-2, and two, including the Padres getting a no-hitter last night from Joe Musgrove. They were a minus-190 in that game. That's tough. Two upsets yesterday, the Rays over the Yankees, A's over the Astros. Couldn't happen to a better team than the Astros. If you played the favorites this year, favorites are only 55-48 and 48 straight up. And if you play the Unders like we like to do, the Unders uh, now 57-47 and 47 on the season. But more sports action in God's country down in Augusta, Georgia. The Masters going on, that town about 51 weeks a year, just another small southern town. But this week, it's the home of the biggest golf tournament in the world. Justin Rose, who was 134 to 1 before the tournament started, he is now the leader after two rounds. You have to think that he's 40 years old now. Best career finish in this tournament was second. The thing about the Masters, unlike any of these other majors, it's the same course year after year after year. And that's why you can kind of get a little bit of history with some of these players. Unlike the other tournaments, which are spread and they move all around the country, so you really can't get a feel for who's going to do what. But Justin Rose was a huge underdog before the tournament. Now he's sitting as the third favorite. Well, why isn't he favored? He's in first place. Well, the favorite right now is Justin Speeth. He's won this tournament before, six years ago. It didn't seem like that long ago. He's been in the top ten here four times. And he came into this tournament with a lot of momentum he started as the favorite. He was the second favorite. He was eleven to one when this tournament started. So Justin Speith, your favorite, although he's two shots back right now, to win this tournament. But another player, Justin Thomas, he is the second favorite right now. He's never won this tournament. His best finish was fourth last year. He is the second favorite right now. So if you're looking at the leader, are you getting value with him? Actually, I think you are because he's not favored. Justin Spieth is the first favorite, and then Rose is second, right behind him, right behind Justin Thomas. So you have three guys right now. Justin Rose is in the lead, but he's not the favorite. That's kind of a guy that I look at, huh, why is this the fact? Why is he not favored? There's got to be some reasons behind it. If you're looking for a long shot to win this thing, one of our favorite long shots right now we like, Tony Finau, sitting at 14-1 to to win this tournament. He has a great history here at Augusta. He has the best average strokes gained number at Augusta among all players. Go look up average strokes gained. If you're a golf player, that's a great statistic to use if you're trying to handicap these things. Finau in three years has two top tens in this tournament. Round three of the Masters today. We'll be talking about this a little later. We'll also be talking about it tomorrow with our golf expert here at ESPN Radio, Matthew Lawrence. We'll be joining us. And he'll talk masters with us. That leads us to our Mac Daddy Stogie picks, now presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. Yes, we finally have a sponsor for our picks. And we couldn't have a more perfect partner than Jake's Cigar Bar when you could go smoke that Stogie after you win. The Rays and the Yankees. Rays beat them yesterday, and now you've got a rematch today. Domingo Herman with a 9 ERA against old favorite down there, Chris Archer, with a 13 ERA. Why are the Yankees favored? About a minus 125. The gambler's fallacy. It says the Yankees are the better team, quote-unquote, and they'll have to bounce back and win today after losing yesterday. However, the majority of the public will always be on a team like that, although they are on the team of the Yankees. The Rays have seen the improvement in the odds, and when the, you see a team in the division that is playing at home and then the line moves in their favor this season, it's 20-15 it's and 15 for those underdogs, 57%. We like Tampa today, again, to beat the Yankees. The Yankees are 3-4 and four and a road favorite. Eh, let's not do it. Let's go with the Rays today. is our Mac Daddy Stogie. You could take that bad boy to Jake's Cigar Bar and smoke it. But coming up next, after the break, Brian Howard of Stable Duel will give us a preview of today's Keeneland race card, and he'll give us his best value picks. Lord knows we need them right now. That's coming up next right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Tinner, presented by Stable Duel. And our next guest is a man I've needed to speak with all week. Believe me when I tell you that. It's our good friend Brian Howard of Stable Duel. Brian, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, remind the folks of what you guys offer over there on your Stable Duel app uh, for our horse racing players out there. Anything else you've got going on today?
2: Yeah, actually, today's a great day for anybody interested. Um, Stable Duel is a fantasy-style app, kind of like a daily fantasy football app. You'll pick your ten horses based on the salary cap off of their morning line. And uh, you just watch the points rack up and win win money. So All right. Today – Okay. Sorry, real quick. Um, today is the day because we're also offering a free game at Keeneland. So anybody that wants to try out the app today, today's the day. Get on wherever you get your apps from the store. Download Stable Duel, Get in the Keeneland free game. Give us a shot, and I think you'll like it.
0: Well, we live by six words here on the bottom line. If it's free, it's for me. So yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely uh, we'll definitely be looking into that free game. All right, Brian, I need some help now. I've been playing the Keelan races this week on the Stable Duel app, and our good friend Dead Air Dennis over here at Classic Rock ninety two point one across the across the hallway here, he's been kicking my butt. I don't know whether he has an inside source or a deal with the devil or what. And not only that, but every time he walks around here and he sees me, now he just points and laughs. So I need some help. So I need some expert picks today, Brian. Who are my best value plays on the Stable Duel app at Keeneland today so that this dead-air dentist dude doesn't make my life miserable around here anymore? Yeah. Well, let's hope he's not listening. But I do have a couple for
2: you. I'm going to start late late in the card, um, the eighth race, the six-horse, a bit of both. It's a $3,000 play on your Stable Duel uh, app. Uh, again, I think this race has tons of speed. This horse should be just off the pace or a little further back and look to mow him down in the lane. Uh, big fan of closers, especially on the grass, so that's, that's where I'm looking there. And then, let's see, the ninth race uh, is the Lexington Stakes. It's the last derby prep race for any horses trying to sneak into the gate. Uh, first Saturday in May, and again, I- I'm not a big fan of the favorite proxy here at 6-5 to five on the morning line. I think that's crazy. So I'm looking for somebody just off the pace that I think is going to be pretty hot with like three or four horses wanting to lead. Uh, I think the 6 hockey dad, also a $3,000 play on Stable Ghoul, will be just off that pace and within distance to strike at the end if he's good enough. I don't know if he will be good enough, but again, I'm looking for value here and trying to save some money, and uh, I don't want to spend up on proxy, so that's that's my picks today.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Brian uh, Howard of Stable Duel has given us the number six horse of the eighth race, <laughs> a bit of bow, and the six horse of the ninth race, very nice, Hockey Dad. <laughs> so those, two, those are your uh, value picks out at Keeneland today, and like you, I hope Dead Air Dennis is not listening. Because I need all the help I can get. I've not done well this week, Brian. So we're yes, I need some. I need I all the help back. from you we're, guys we're I can get. Back. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, we live to fight another day. That's the key about doing all this stuff. All right, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Tell us where we can find you guys on social media. Uh,
2: you can find us at Stable Duel. Um, I'm at Brian Howard SD on Twitter, and you can find us there. And also today, you can find us in Mere Twin Brewing, where we'll be out watching the races and
0: having a few ones. Where's that at again? Mirror Twin Brewing. Mirror Twin Brewing. On National Avenue. Oh, yeah. Make sure to go out and see Brian and the guys from Stable Duel out there. They're great people. I've been out there a few times. Uh, they're as good as it gets. And that uh, that uh, building they have over there, is, is, it's a, a castle. If you just want to sit around and watch horse racing all day, it's beautiful. Brian, we'll uh, we'll check back in with you tomorrow. We'll get some more value picks, and we'll take you to task if you didn't give us any today. So thank you, buddy. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, man. Have a good day. Thank you, Brian. That's Brian Howard of Stable Duel. That's uh, your uh, locks at, over at Keeneland today. Coming up next, our good friend Vince Stover. He will give you some more picks, but we're going to talk about fighting UFC style. We'll talk about that right after the break here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you for joining us. And our Cavalcade of Stars continues. You can find him on the Sports Stove Podcast. He's got uh, all kinds of stuff on his podcast. He has every topic known to mankind. He's our good friend, Vince Stover. Vince, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: Brad, I am doing just absolutely wonderful today. Thank you for having me back on.
0: Anytime. Anytime, as long as you keep giving us winning UFC picks. That's all we care about. <laughs> when you don't, well, then you're. Uh, we might have to have an issue with this. Let's go back to Monday night. Let's go back to the college basketball first. We didn't talk about it enough. I mean, you know, we don't want to break our arm patting ourselves on the back saying we took Baylor in the points Monday night. But did, did, did you see that as an upset, the Baylor uh, upset over Gonzaga? If you want to call it an upset out in the desert, it was. Four-and-a-half-point favorite. That game, maybe the tournament as a whole, your thoughts on Baylor winning it all this year?
1: Well, yeah, I would say it was an upset, yes. But, you know, Baylor looked phenomenal, especially as the – tournament continued to drive on. Of course, they had a great season also. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it was by far the two best teams in the nation this year. And so, um, but I mean, the way Baylor looked in the Final Four and the championship game, you know, there's no, there's no disputing that they were the best team at the very least the last couple weeks of the season.
0: But see, the common knowledge, you know, conventional wisdom says Baylor didn't win it, Gonzaga lost it because we love the zero at the end of those records. Is that something that you would agree with too?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's nitpicking, I guess. I I think, you know, Baylor just played better. And, uh, whether you want to say it's so hard to go undefeated, obviously it's only happened once in the history. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's a a little, uh, uh, basketball juju on, on Gonzaga in that championship game where they didn't have a chance anyhow, but I I, I don't know. I'd, I thought it was uh, just outplayed at that point. And outcoached, honestly, in the championship game as well.
0: Let me write that one down. Basketball juju. So when next time I'm there out in go. the desert making my picks out in the desert, <laughs> I'm going to write that. That's going to be one of, my, uh, one of my intangibles. Basketball juju. There you, go. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. From the mouth of Vince Stover here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Uh, let's get to baseball. The Reds are the best team in baseball right now, Vince Stover. You're a Milwaukee Brewers fan. I'm sitting here. I didn't see this coming, but then again, the desert says, well, they should be 6 and 1 right now. Your thoughts on this team right now, the very best team in Major League Baseball, the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Well, you talked about it earlier in the program, you know, the the wins against St. Louis were really good. They played Pittsburgh three games. Pittsburgh is the worst team in Major League Baseball. So, you know, you're right. They're they're kind of I guess where they should be. I would have maybe had them closer to Four and three, maybe, but uh, nonetheless, they're not far off from where they're supposed to be at this point in the season. Um, you know, listen, they've started off great. Their pitching has been—you know—you look at it, and the pitching has, has has exceeded expectation to this point. But you know, the one thing that I said about the Reds coming into the season was they have power hitters. They have guys that can can hit home runs, and and they're first in the league in home runs, first in the league in RBIs, and in batting average, but they're 26th in the league in stolen bases and they don't have anybody that can run outside of their leadoff batter and they win. And so this is a team that's going to come back to reality pretty soon. Um, I think they've had their pitching staff has looked okay, but they're 14th in the league in ERA and they only have two quality starts in seven games. Um, So that tells me they're going to come back down to reality here pretty soon and be the Reds. We expect them to be in that. You know, between 78 and eight wins would be my guess.
0: Yeah, that's a good point you make. The stolen bases, the money ball way to do it now is you're just waiting for the home run. You know, it's walk, strikeout, home run. That's the what you want these days. It's not like we're talking about the 80s version of the St. Louis Cardinals when we're looking at stolen bases here. But, I mean, you know, because the money ball teams, they are like, we never steal bases, we never bunt unless it's a very rare situation. But I'm like you, this starting pitching staff, how long can they hold up not giving you uh, good potential, not giving you great starts? And I look at this bullpen, and I look at the end of that bullpen, Amir Garrett especially, I don't know how long they can last with him closing these games out, him with a two whip and a 15 ERA.
1: Yeah, he's not the only closer that's struggling this year to this point either. Bullpens are struggling overall, it seems like, in the league right now. But, uh, you know, they're just not going to be able to provide the run support that they've been giving. They're at a plus 32 run differential right now. That's just not going to hold up. You can't expect it to hold up. And uh, so, I mean, you know, they're leading the league by five. Astros have plus 27, Twins at plus 24. So the Reds are, are far and above number one in run differential. But when, when those runs stop coming in, that pitching staff is not going to be able to do uh, have the success that it's had as far as six wins compared to one loss so far in the season.
0: ESPN Radio, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. We're here with Vince Stover from the Sports Stove Podcast. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying about the Reds and how this can't hold up. But at the same time, look at the other teams in the National League Central. St. Louis, already 5-2. The Cubs and Brewers hovering around 500. So any, if the Reds slip up, and they're going to slip up, you're not going to win 85.7% of your games all year long. It's going to be a quick drop for this team, especially. Let's just face it; we got a sample size of seven games here, and people are talking dynasty, comparing it to the '75, '76 Reds. Well, that was what forty some odd years ago, too. Yeah, could you name anybody from that team from that bullpen? No, you couldn't.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't blame any fan for having hope in their team. Um, you know, this is the time of year that that most major league baseball programs can have hope. Um, it's going to quickly fade. I think at least you're right. You know the Cubs, um, they're they're right above 500 right now, and they've got a run differential just plus one. So that's going to improve the Brewers right below 500. Um, but once their bats start, they've had a horrible start batting wise. Once their once their bats start start going, you know their their pitching staff is better than Cincinnati's. I think Chicago's pitching staff is better than Cincinnati's and St. Louis as well. So, yeah, Cincinnati's going to drop, drop pretty fast when they start dropping, I think at least. Um, but they're going to stay competitive. They should be at least in the conversation for a wild card come playoff season.
0: How good is Sonny Gray when he comes back? Is he going to have anything? We don't know what he's going to have. He's injured right now. How good is Sonny Gray going to be? Is Luis Castillo going to be what he's been in the past in the last few years? Is he going to be a good number one slash number two starter? And how is the rest of these starting pitchers going to do? And I'm looking at Sean Doolittle closing games before before the end of this season. So that's what you've got to look forward to if you're a Reds fan. What about some of these guys? Jonathan India, Tyler Naquin, where did they come from? And how could you count on them the rest of the year to do what they're doing right now? Because if they do that, they'll be Hall of Famers before the season ends.
1: Well, I'm all in on, on Naquin, uh, like fantasy value and stuff like that. Um, he was, you know, he was in Cleveland, I believe, before was a prospect that was supposed to be really good, and just didn't pan out like he should have in Cleveland. So I, I'm all in on him. India, I just don't know anything about him, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not all in on him just yet uh, either. I don't expect him to keep up his hot start, but you know, that's what that's what Cincinnati needs right now is the guys. Those guys are not necessarily known as power hitters yet. Naquin, five home runs. Six home runs, whatever it is, uh, five home runs. Yep. You know, batting three eighteen, India's batting four hundred. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> you'd always be happy with a four hundred
0: hitter. Well, Naco didn't even start opening day, and you have to wonder: no. Well, when is how long is he going to be in the lineup? You got Winker back, you got Senzel, you've got uh, Castellanos. Where is the spot for Naco to play full time? I don't think it's there. But in Jonathan India, I think he is the real deal. I think you're going to see between 15 and 20 home runs out of this guy this year. Now, is he going to hit 400? No. But he's going to hit maybe 250, 260. And for a rookie and giving you that kind of pop, I think it's worth it. So India, thumbs up on him. Naquin, you know, if you're like you said, if you're playing fantasy, he's not a guy I would go after just yet because you don't know, you're not guaranteed playing time with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they could sit him at this point. Yeah, who do you bench? Are you going to sit,
0: are you, do you sit Winker? Do you sit Senzel? I'd sit Senzel in a heartbeat, but the Reds have yeah. too much money invested in him. Number two overall pick a while back.
1: Yeah, but you know, in today's Major League Baseball, you put a rotation of Winker and Senzel, and then maybe Naquin in that rotation. He, Naquin's still going to get plenty of at-bats. He makes the most sense as the leadoff batter compared to anybody else in this lineup right now for Cincinnati. I think they have to find time for Naquin, and I think they will find time for Naquin to play pretty much every day. Maybe you're looking at you know four four starts a week for Naquin.
0: I think the Reds are very primed to lose today as a favorite. I'm just with the Arizona bullpen is rested. The Reds used all their bullpen last night and uh, I, what do I know about this Hoffman guy for the Reds outside of Colorado? Uh, I think the Reds are primed for an upset tonight. It's not a Mac Daddy Stogie brought to you by Jake's Cigar Bar. But still, I'm sitting here saying the Reds, I, I don't like their chances tonight, even though they are favored. Anything else in Major League Baseball catching your eye as we sit here with the Reds, the best pl- team in baseball? I look at a team like the Baltimore Orioles, who nobody gave a chance. are sitting in first place right now.
1: Yeah, but like you said with the Reds, this we're seven games in. Right.
0: <laughs> so I'm not gonna get too excited about
1: thing or too upset about anything at the any moment. The Oakland A's are the biggest surprise to me so far. Two and seven. They got a minus thirty six run differential. They've looked horrible. Their pitching has been horrible uh, to start the season. So that's a bigger surprise to me than anything else probably um in the league. And of course, you know, uh, your boy Trevor Bauer cheating already to start the season, so um, you know, we'll see how the, the the Dodgers pull out here as they continue to play this season.
0: Well, we like teams that cheat here on the bottom line. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. It's ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. That'd be a good motto for this station. Bottom line with Brad Taylor <laughs> here with Vince Stover. Uh, let's get back college basketball real quick. I want to get back to it. Sean Miller is fired in Arizona after 12 seasons. He's going to live with those Elite Eight games against Wisconsin. He's going to live with those forever. If he'd win one of those, eh, it may be different right now. He was favored in of both those games, by the way. Neither here nor there. I know you're a Wisconsin guy. But the thing is, how is he fired? And then a guy like Will Wade and Bill Self, how they still have jobs? Bill Self signed a lifetime contract. How is it that he's gone and these other guys aren't?
1: <laughs> you know, well, the lack of success is probably the biggest, biggest thing there. Didn't meet the expectations. You know, he probably should have been fired, what, a year or two years ago. And wasn't they stuck by him there for a while? But if you're not going to win, there's no reason to stick by you anymore. LSU had one of their better seasons, and you know Will Wade to me is the most obvious head coach that should be fired in the NCAA right now. And there's a lot of them that should be for cheating, but um, you know Wade, for whatever reason, LSU's decided we're going to just we're going to hold our ground here and, and hang on to him. And for the life of me, I don't understand why the success that he's brought in hasn't been like great success. They've had good seasons, but. I and mean, my goodness! When you when you catch a guy on tape, you know, what more what more do you need to get rid of a guy? I have no respect for LSU basketball, no respect for Will Wade, and uh, hope every day that he gets fired the next day.
0: Somewhere, Dale Brown is is pointing at you and saying he's going to get you with his amoeba defense. If that's <laughs> that's an old school reference, Vince Stover. You'll have to go back in time and look that one up. Or I'm sorry, the freak def- amoeba be- defense was UNLV. The amoeba defense that was LSU from back in the day. Neither here nor there. Let's get to the NFL. I know you're a big NFL guy. Before we get to these quarterbacks in the draft, I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson down in Houston. Now he's got 22 people coming after him, saying that he's done some uh, dirty deeds, so to speak, on the massage table. How could Houston not expect this guy to play half the season this year? He's going to miss some games. I'm sorry. He's going to miss some games. How did Houston go forward because they've already lost one of the best receivers in the league a year ago, and then they let the best defensive player in the league, arguably, they just let him walk out the door for nothing?
1: Yeah, so you know, this is interesting. I really thought Carolina was going to end up with Deshaun Watson because I figured they could get him as cheap as as possible right now. They end up trading for Sam Darnold, um, so they they kind of avoid that. You're looking right now, Watson's probably going to miss four games this season if he even plays at all by choice. Uh, I think he'll get suspended. You look back to the Ben Roethlisberger situation years ago, he was suspended for six. That got changed down to four. Uh, Similar kind of situation. I I don't like to speak too much on things until we know exactly what's going on. Obviously, we are against everything that Deshaun Watson's being accused of. Um, I want to make sure I'm clear on that. But I I think at this point it looks like I thought he would be out of Houston for this next season, but I don't know now that that's going to be the case. Uh, Carolina was the most obvious landing spot for him so if he stays in Houston either way if he decides he's going to play this year and not hold out he's probably missing four maybe six games but I'm going to say four games and Houston my goodness they've got nobody at quarterback behind him. they're in big time trouble when it comes to their season this year they've had some horrible horrible moves uh, over the last two years but trading DeAndre Hopkins for nothing a second round pick and David Johnson and then you're right, letting J.J. Watt go. I think that was a mercy move, by the way, for Houston, letting J.J. Watt walk away.
0: Houston sitting at four and a half wins out in the desert right now, win total for the season, the lowest total of any team uh, that's listed out there. Uh, the next, The next worst would be Detroit at five, so that tells you what kind of company that Houston's in. Uh, just two years after being ahead in the AFC playoffs against Kansas City by, like, what, was it 24 to nothing or something like that? And you thought they were (laughs) headed straight to the Super Bowl, and then it just two years later, they're a train wreck. But let's look at this draft. Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville, we kind of think that that's the way it's going to go. But after that, you've got the Jets, and they want this guy from BYU. And now San Francisco, Adam Schefter, basically 99% of the things he says is gospel. He says that Mac Jones is going to be the new quarterback at San Francisco. Should we believe all this? And does this make a difference for this coming season?
1: All right, so picks one and two are locked in. That's done. Lawrence and Wilson, they're going one, two. Wow, I
0: I just don't know that Wilson for the Jets, man. This is like Darnold again. You've got the same guy, but I digress. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, San Francisco,
1: I'm not yet set on the fact that they're going to take Mac Jones. I don't think they should. I'm 100% against that pick. But at the same time, you know, it's not about what I want. It's about what they're actually going to do when we're trying you know, I'll do a mock draft here uh, right before the draft, and I'm still trying to figure out if I want to believe the Matt Jones hype or not because he's just not the third-best quarterback. No. Um, you know, Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, those guys should be what's talked about at number three. And, you know, I, I'm still – at this point, I still think it's a smokescreen. Uh, San Francisco, under this current leadership, has done a great job of not tipping their hat on what they're doing. And they were able to, to ship off to Forrest Buckner last year. No one knew it was coming. And it just happened overnight. All of a sudden, boom, there it was. So I'm still leaning towards Trey Lance at number three for San Francisco. Um, that's that's where I think they're going. But, you know, when Schefter comes out and says, you know, this is happening, it's hard to it's hard to look away from that as well. Uh, but, I mean, you're going to have – I think you're going to have four quarterbacks taking picks one through four. And then I think the fifth quarterback goes before pick seven. So, uh, you know, seven picks, five quarterbacks, that's a, that's a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> to go that early in the draft.
0: And I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I've got some Atlanta ties. Don't sleep on the fact that Atlanta might just move on from Matt Ryan. Whether they should or yeah. shouldn't, it's debatable. But I think they're ready down there. Ever since 28-3, to they've been ready to get rid of him. When Shanahan left – that basically ruined the Atlanta Falcons franchise. They've been going steadily down ever since. I think they want Matt Ryan gone in that one, too. Do you see the Patriots? Well, okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah, with the Falcons, you've got a new coaching staff. They've got, a, I think, a uh-huh. three-year contract. I could be wrong. So they want to win now. They don't want to wait. And to win now, you you either stick it four and take somebody like Kyle Pitt um, or uh, offensive lineman, or you trade back with someone who wants a quarterback, and still get a top tier player in the top ten, and try to win with Matt Ryan over the next two or three years. Because Matt Ryan, as much as people are bored of Matt Ryan, he's not a bad quarterback. No. And so if if you can you can still win in the next two or three seasons with him, you know. And but there you have to look at the coaching staff who wants to win now, or the general manager who wants to build a team. I, I like I I like Justin Fields for Atlanta. Uh, obviously, as the Georgia ties, it yes. doesn't mean a ton, but um, I like him, him for Atlanta. And uh, but I think they could also trade back because there's a lot of value sitting at pick number four right now, and they can get some some nice draft picks and then build for the future through solid offensive line play, or they can get one of the top tier. You know, some people are saying transcendent players in the draft, and Kyle Pitts.
0: Real quick, Bengals, the hometown team here in uh, Lexington, if Pitts is available. Do they go Pitts or do they go Chase the receiver from LSU because it's Joe Burrow's guy? Yeah, I think
1: Pitts is the the smarter move. Um, just because they don't really have great tight end play right now and Pitts gives them something they don't have. Chase is really good though. And, you know, if you're talking about putting Chase and T. Higgins with each other at the wide receiver, I don't I don't I think it's a can't lose. I think the Bengals taking Pitts, Chase, or the top offensive lineman, whether whoever they think that is, whether it's Sewell or, or Slater, you know, uh, it's a, it's a can't-lose pick at number 5, in my opinion. Either, yep. Any of those picks are going to help them
2: out.
0: Okay, Vince. Uh, MMA, UFC picks. You were at 4-1 and one last time. Let's see if you can do it again. Go. All right, I got five picks for you. By the way, the UFC
1: card today is in the middle of the day, in the afternoon on ABC. Um, I've got uh, two UFC debuts. Both of them are favorites, Ignacio Bahamondes. Baham- He's at minus 190. Louis Saldana at minus 130. They're both in the prelims, both favorites. They're both going to win. Then on the main card, I've got Nina Nunez. She's uh, minus 140. She had a child six months ago, uh, but I think she's going to win the fight today. Then two underdogs, uh, Smile and Sam Alvey, who will be on our podcast next week, uh, plus 150. He's lost his last four uh, decisions or fights. Uh, actually, the last two fights were split decisions, one loss, one draw. He's due for a win, so I like him at plus 150. And then Kevin Holland in the main event coming off an embarrassing loss just three weeks ago. Fighting today, he's at plus 260. There's a lot of value there. Uh, I'm picking Kevin Holland to win the main event.
0: I heard the terms value, I heard the term uh, going the favorites, and I also heard you say he's going to win. That's what we like to hear on this show. He's going to win. Vince, tell us where we can find all your stuff.
1: Uh, on Twitter at Sports Stove, and then podcasts anywhere you find your podcast, The Sports Stove podcast. We got sh- great stuff coming out this week um, with uh, Smiling Sam Alvey and his wife Mckee will be with us. And then we're also doing our draft previews, picks nine through sixteen uh, this And last week we just finished the episode. We interviewed uh, uh, someone, a UFC fighter from Richmond, Kentucky, Harry Huntsucker. So you can go back and listen to that interview as well.
0: He's as good as it gets around here, ladies and gentlemen. It's Vince Stowe with the Sports Stove Podcast. Vince, thank you so much for joining us today, buddy. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, bud. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. We appreciate him coming through yet again. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio right here. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. We're running late. We got to get out of here. It's Bottom Line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. Thanks again for joining us here on this Saturday morning. Uh, our thanks to our guests, Brian Howard of Stable Duel and Fitz Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Make sure to tune in tonight, 740, as the sun's going down. Reds and Diamondbacks from Mountain Arizona. Reds a minus 135 favorite in that one. And tomorrow here on ESPN Radio, early tea time, Master Sunday, Matthew Lawrence with Backspin Golf. Then us, the bottom line at 9, and then the Angelo Show at 10. We've got you covered all weekend. Thanks for again for joining us. Uh, make sure you can email us anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.